everyone. This is Julio again for my God and You podcast and YouTube channel. In this episode, I want to share a perspective concerning the story of the Garden of Eden from a perspective that, uh, in my opinion at least, and from my experience, is more constructive and it kind of um, shows the deeper meaning of what this story is all about. To begin with, I'm going to be sharing the Garden of Eden story from its allegory or allegoric perspective. And it's an allegory filled with symbolism that describes actually God planting himself within the human brain. In part two of this little mini teaching or episode that I'm sharing, I'm going to share how the comparison of three major parts of the anatomy of the brain are likened to Adam, Eve, and the serpent and the four inherent thinking processes within our minds and of course those inherent thinking processes I've shared that before in the prior episodes and also in my books but those uh, inherent uh, thought or voices that we have within our mind that we're born with are the, the ability to be, be able to hear the voice of God the ability to, uh, to experience what the Bible calls as the voice of reasoning, and of course your own voice or your own thought process, and the voice of evil or of dysfunction. And we'll be going more into that uh, in terms of in the latter part, or the second part of this, ep- this little series that I'm doing concerning the God of Eden to kind of explain those four voices in a little bit better perspective from uh, the perspective the Bible gives concerning the three minds of man. That's the spiritual mind, what uh, the carnal mind, and what's called the natural mind. So look forward to that second episode where I go more in depth concerning what I'm going to be sharing with you here in this episode. But let me begin by kind of giving you a definition of what an allegory is, to kind of give you a foundation of where I'm coming from and, and why I'm sharing the story of God Eden from this perspective. An allegory is a story that is filled with symbolism and normally it has some type of characters or individuals in it whose interpretation reveals a hidden meaning. They're very similar to parables. As I, as I just re- mentioned, uh, when, you, when you look at a, a, an allegory, it normally has people or characters in it. Uh, parables don't necessarily have that. You know, one of, of course, the famous ones are Jesus' parables, the kingdom of heaven is like, uh, the kingdom of God is like, and, and sometimes he used other things, you know, like uh, the pearl, uh, uh, the soils, which is a huge one. I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit as well. But that's the, the very similar. But when we do allegoric study, coupled with definitive root word research that is documented, within the allegorical passages of scripture what they reveal is the hidden meanings of stories and this is what i'm going to be doing here in this episode with you and also that i've done in prior episodes concerning uh looking at the bible passages that most people look at stories and literal events but are they literal events or could there be deeper meanings to them than what are conveyed when we read them from a little literal event perspective. So let's go to work. The story of the Garden of Eden has posed more questions than answers for both scholars and people of faith. You know, some of these questions are, did the Garden of Eden, of course, really exist? Where was it located? And of course, more importantly, where, what is the original purpose of the story? Unfortunately, the majority of Christianity around the world only views this story of the Garden of Eden as a literal story and event 
that caused what they refer to as the fall of man and the original sin. Yet could there be a deeper meaning to this story than what traditional Christianity teaches? It certainly should not be confused as a literal garden because to do so strips it of all of its deeper meaning and original purpose. And this is what I want to reveal to you in this episode. When I first realized that the story of the Garden of Eden was a metaphoric description of God planting, or in other words, sowing himself within the human brain, and that with that came four inherent thinking processes within it, life and the rest of scriptures made a whole lot more sense. And some of these and this, of course, I'm not going to go through all of them, but for me, viewing the Garden of Eden from its profound and metaphoric or allegoric perspective versus a literal event helped me to bring more clarity to what the Bible refers to as the mystery of God. And of course, for those of you viewing this um, in the YouTube episode, you're seeing all the scriptures that I have here. For those of you who are listening to this through the podcast, you can I'll always put the link to the video so that you can see these scriptural references if you ever want to go back to them. But some of the things that were answered for me that I now have a much better and a clearer understanding is what the Bible refers to as the mystery of God, the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the kingdom of God, the breath of life as a father guiding in a teaching spirit, how and why we're created in the image and likeness of God to discern good and evil as he does. Also, Understanding the, the, the story of the Garden of Eden from this allegoric perspective even gave me greater clarity as to why the Bible states that God created evil according to Isaiah chapter 45 verse 7. Also understanding what the Bible refers to as serpent influence within our minds and outside of our minds, normally through other human beings. And also why Paul said evil is present with me and even called it a law. And also why Christ was slain before the foundations of the world. And then also the Garden of Eden from this allegoric perspective showed me the similarities between, between the three temptations of Adam and Eve at the base of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And how it's, compared, how it's similar to the three temptations in the wilderness that Jesus experienced when he was on a 40-day fast. And how, also how it's connected to the three primary portals of temptation mentioned in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Of course, those portals are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And then this is the big one here. Understanding the Garden of Eden from its profound metaphoric or allegoric perspective showed me the intentional symbolism concerning Jesus being entombed or planted at Golgotha. Remember, that's Calvary. And where was that? The place of the skull. Deep stuff here. And in a later episode, I'm going to be kind of going into that whole first Adam and second Adam and what happened at Calgary. Uh, so be looking out for that. So with all that being said, just as Jesus made it clear that the kingdom of God is within you, and not something that we can see, so it is with Eden. In order to understand this, we're going to have to look at the biblical language and symbols within Eden. Once we break them down, I think you'll discover that there's a more of a constructive meaning and purpose for the Garden of Eden story. So let me begin by showing some of the uh, metaphoric symbolism that we have in the Eden story, and I'm going to go through in detail each of these 
uh, but I've got two slides. I just want to convey some, some more, more, more of the, uh, the important ones that all pretty much tell one story, and I'll tell you what that one story is. First of all, trees. Trees, from a symbolic perspective, a biblical symbolic perspective, are actually a reference to sources of knowledge. First of all, we, of course, we have the tree of life. And of course, I have some other uh, instruction here that I have on the slide here. For those of you, again, listening to the podcast, you got to see this in the slide in order to get the totality of it. So let me encourage you to do that at a later time after you listen to the audio version. And then there is, and by the way, the tree of life, just simply said, is, is really uh, from, a, from a, a, uh, a literal perspective, if you want to call it that, or from a, a knowledge gleaning perspective, is really just a reference to experiencing nourishment and instruction and conversations from God. And of course, I have all the scriptural references to that. And then there is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Remember, function and dysfunction. We're not talking about evil from a devil, again. For those of you to, to understand what I just said here, make sure you go back to the other episode. But the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is actually a parable within the allegoric story of the Garden of Eden that teaches that we all have the ability to discern like God in terms of understanding what good, remember, what function and dysfunction is, what good and evil is, and how that applies to our life. And then the Bible also describes humans as trees. In, in terms of false prophets, apostles, and spiritual instructors. And of course, I had to describe there uh, primarily in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 20, you'll see that, which is interestingly, uh, it describes these false uh, religious uh, teachers or types of teachers. And this is right before Jesus' teaching on iniquity found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. And for those of you who have been exposed to me for a while, you know, of course, the, the, the premise of my first book, The Mystery of Iniquity Revealed, is found on that story alone. It's based on that story. That right there is really the root cause of what's wrong with the entire world, is this whole thing that the Bible describes through this work called iniquity. And then the Bible all describes myself and yourself as a tree. You'll see that in Psalms 1 and 3 where it says you shall be planted by, like a tree, planted by rivers of living water. Traditional religious teachers use that to say you should be planted in a church and you should be planted under an overseer and all these other things. And no, there's a lot more deeper meaning to it. And it actually, truth be told, uh, I would never use that again. And I have in my past when I was very religious according to the traditions of men. Uh, to use that verse to convey that, but the reality is it's deeper. Psalms 1 and 3 is deeper than what, again, traditional Christianity teaches. And then we have this thing, these symbols called rivers. The Bible talks about, in the book of, uh, in the story of the Garden of Eden, about five rivers, that a, a river went out and it broke off into four heads. And rivers are water in the scriptures the majority of the time is again a reference to God speaking and teaching you within your mind. And again, I have all the scriptural references to that. The four main rivers that I mentioned are the rivers of Pisan, Gihon, Hedekel, or the Tigris River, and then the Euphrates. And of course, when you define them from definitive root word perspectives, the definition of those words are the uh, Pisan is the word increase, Gihon is the expression about bursting forth. Hittacol, or the Tigris River, is a reference to rapidly, 
and then in Euphrates is defined as fruitfulness. So when you put this all together, remember in uh, John chapter 7, verse 38, when Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Well, this is the same ability that we have, which the Bible, when the Bible describes Jesus in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 3, that he had quick understanding, same concept. And really what this means is that you have the ability to increase or bursting forth rapidly with fruitfulness. And what is fruitfulness? Thoughts. And that's the next symbol I want to share with you. Fruit, according to the fruit that they were picking from the trees, and you look at the symbolism in different portions of Scripture, it's a reference to thoughts, words, and actions produced. And remember, there's good and bad fruit. Of course, the, uh, some of the good fruit, of course, is the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. And going back to Psalms chapter 1, verse 3, remember, it reads like this, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Some translations will say living waters. I actually like that translation better. So that it brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he or she does shall prosper. Now, let's look at this. Rivers of water. We're going to be planted by rivers of water. Now, I've already shared with you what Jesus said in John chapter 7. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Once again, we're talking about the same experience here. Why does that verse say that its leaves shall not wither? Well, think about a natural plant. If, as long as a natural plant is connected to its source of life, the tree doesn't wither. Remember also when Jesus said, and I don't have it here, but just, it just popped into my mind when Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches and my father is the vine dresser. Well, same thing. As long as you're connected to the vine and you allow the vine dresser to prune you, then this is talking about the same in same thing. In other words, you're going to be experiencing teachings concerning your life. That's how you do not wither. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I was planted in a church and I was taught that you got to be planted in the church and, you know, and this is the living waters and all this other stuff. Well, I was withered up. Didn't even know it because I wasn't growing. I wasn't knowing the voice of God through that experience. And that was just my experience. I'm not sure about yours. But this is why I see this verse in Psalms 1 and 3 in a whole different light that, again, is more constructive and makes more sense. And what about this part where it says, and whatever he does shall prosper? Remember the he that I shared with you in prior verses, primarily in that video concerning how to train up a child in the way he should go. Remember that he is a reference to your spirit, man. It's not a reference to the male gender, because if it was true, then what about women? And again, it's not because it's, he is not a reference to gender. It's referring to your spirit, your he-man, if you want to say it, that your spirit man within you. So how does your inner spirit prosper and whatever it does? Well, the whatever is the will of God for your revealed life. In other words, when God begins to reveal what his will is, that's the whatever. It doesn't mean whatever we want to do. It means it's a reference to the will of God. And maybe in a later time, we're going to break down some of these verses in Psalm because you're talking about allegories and deeper meanings and metaphors. Oof, there's a ton of them. And again, they all convey one thing and one thing only. I'm going to share what that one thing is here in a moment. So what about some other symbolism in the Eden story? This is the big one. Eastward. The Bible says that God planted a garden eastward in Eden. Think about the east. 
the east of your nation, wherever you're at, the sun always rises on the east side of the planet, if you want to see it that way, right? Where we're, and also, when Jesus was doing his morning uh, prayer time or his morning meditation time, he would always do it in the morning, right? When the sun rises, right? Remember what I shared with you in the prior episode concerning the word seek, and that is this, that it's referred to as the portal or the entrance of worship. If you look at any biblical plan that we have in the Bible regarding tabernacles and temples, they always had an eastward entrance. And again, remember, seek first the portal of worship. I have more content regarding this in the video, how the, how the voice of God is heard uh, through thoughts within your mind, specifically in part two that I did concerning that. But again, this is actually a reference to rising up in early morning. Now, once again, in a future episode, I'll share more about that. And then we have this other symbolisms about thorns and thistles. And biblically, these refer to mental hindrances, toxic thoughts, or limiting types of prayer. I have all of the scriptural references that I have concerning this here on this slide again. And if you want to know more about that end, you can see my video called The Parable of the Seed and the Four Soils. And it was also subtitled, A Parable Concerning Hearing God Through Prayer. If you want to know more about the thorns and the thistles, remember that was one of the types of grounds that parable conveyed. Deep teaching, by the way. So make sure if you haven't seen the episode, make sure you check that out. And I also have the full blast of that understanding of that parable in my book, The Mystery of Prayer Revealed. And then we have this huge uh, symbol about the serpent. When we look at the, 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 the symbol of a serpent, we got to look at it from, as I shared with you in, in the prior episode, it's actually a reference to any type of dysfunctional influence that you have within your mind. And again, as I mentioned in the opening of this episode, from outside sources, including, again, false teachers and spiritual leaders. Remember when Jesus called them broader vipers? And he also mentioned that to another group of people, you are of the, your father, the devil. You know what I'm saying? Well, he wasn't talking about them being possessed again. He was talking about what was influencing their thought process. Remember, uh, I'm, I'm kind of going off here, but, but truth be told, there's only two spiritual leaders in this world. One is the Spirit of God, and the other one is what people refer to as the devil, uh, or Satan, uh, or you know the evil influence, or whatever. But really, truth be told, I'm not talking about a being when I'm talking about a devil here. I'm talking about the reality is that we all have serpent influence within us. And for those who haven't seen my video concerning why God created evil, go back and check that video out. And also, look at the Jewish perspective of what they view as serpent or what they view as the devil. They don't believe in a little devil. And that's for another topic. And, I'm, and trust me, I'm going to be doing an episode on that in the future. And that one is going to be lit up with some information that I'm sure it's going to be blessing you. Uh, and then there's, we have this other symbol of the flaming sword when they supposedly got kicked out of the garden and put, God put a cherubim there from all different sides and all these different things. Well, the flaming sword, when you look at other portions of Scripture, you'll see this reference to a mouth or a tongue or some type of speaking. And as I mentioned to you before, all of these symbols have to do with thought processes that affect the human mind for good or evil. 
And again, when I, I got to keep saying this, I'm, when I'm talking about evil, I'm not talking about being influenced by a devil. I'm talking about being influenced by dysfunction that we have inherently built within us. And once again, in the next episode, I hope to make that a little bit more clear for you. Now, let's go into the Garden of Eden story. When you're reading it, I'm going to encourage you to reread it. Pay close attention to two verbs that are used repeatedly throughout the first chapter of Genesis. In which you'll see it says, God creates the heavens and the earth. He makes the sky. He creates fish. He makes wild animals and creates mankind. But the Bible doesn't use any one of these verses, whether it's makes, creates, or makes, when it comes to the garden. When it comes to the garden, the scripture clearly says he plants it in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. In other words, he established it or fastened it to something. That's actually the definition of plants there. When the Bible talks about, and God planted a garden in Eden. So, and remember, it's a garden in Eden. It's two separate environments, if you want to say it that way. A lot of people just focus on what happened in the garden, but really it's the garden of Eden. Two separate en environments that are combined within one. And I'm going to share that with you here in a moment. So, when we look at this, we see that God not only plants this garden, but he refers to it in a very personal way in other portions of Scripture. In multiple places in the Bible, this same Garden of Eden is referred to as the Garden of God or the Garden of the Lord. And you'll see that in Genesis chapter 13, verse 10, Isaiah 51 and 3, and the book of Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13, and chapter 31, verses 8 through 9. So for those of you who want to see that, you're welcome to do that. So when we look at this totality of what the Garden of Eden is, because it's also referred to as the Garden of God or the Garden of the Lord, so Eden is actually God. And since we all have the inherent presence of the Spirit of God within us, beginning from within our mother's womb, then Eden is within us. Eden is the same thing as your body. And I'll explain that a little bit further here. Um, not in detail, but just once again, I'm just sh sharing you the allegoric perspective concerning this powerful story. Now, we can see this even a little bit more clear when we define Eden. And you'll see this from Strong's, the, the Hebraic understanding it, which is number 5731, is simply defined as a place of pleasure. Some uh, study resources will define it as a paradise or heaven on earth and in earth. Remember, I talked to you before. Where is on earth and in earth in your earthen vessel? And remember when Jesus said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For those of you who saw my teaching concerning the Our Father prayer that Jesus taught, same thing. Eden. This is Eden. God is in you. So Eden is in you. When you understand what the definition means, in other words, paradise, wherever God is, paradise is present. And I'm not talking about paradise, you know, what is described in the book of Revelation, streets of gold. No. Remember, the, the, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven uh, or even paradise is described from three perspectives. And I won't go into detail because it's going off track here a little bit. But again, Eden is already within you. So if Eden is God, if God is within us, then what is the garden of God? In other words, the garden of Eden that we also have within us. Now, let's look at the garden that God planted. We will see both of these environments, Eden and the garden, 
described in our creation process within our mother's womb according to Psalms 139 verse 13. Let's look at this. In that verse, the first part of that verse, it says, For you possessed my reins. Now, different translations will say it differently. I'm strictly going off of the King James Version because that's where a lot of the study resources are derived from. So when we look at the word possessed, for you possessed my reins. This is where these famous verses where I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in my mother's womb you knew me and all of this stuff. The word possessed in this key verse is the Hebrew word kana. And I have the references there in terms of the study resources. And it is defined and described as an environment that is created and owned for the purpose of building a home. And remember, your body is the temple of God. So again, this is Eden. All right. Now let's look at the word reigns. R-E-I-N-S. The word reigns in this verse, Psalms 139 verse 13, is translated as inward parts in numerous translations of the Bible, and it's the Hebrew word kilia, and it is defined as the interior self or the inner loins of the mind, and it's further described as an inner enclosure for a resident God and king. So this is the garden, in other words, also known as the kingdom of God within our minds. So when we see these, both of these stories concerning the Garden of Eden and, and also uh, the, the, a lot of the parables that Jesus taught, you know what I'm saying? He's talk, it's, it's talking about the same environment when you understand them from deeper perspective. And then it goes on to further in terms of this word reigns, describes the purpose of this uh, resident God and King as what makes someone complete, whole, and perfect. And you've heard me talk plenty on that. And that's someone who's actually experiencing spiritual maturation from the Spirit of God within their very own minds. And for those of you who want more knowledge concerning that aspect or this knowledge, in my book, The Mystery of the Kingdom of God Revealed, chapter 12 specifically is called Two Kingdoms. You'll see more knowledge about that. So let's look at the, the definition of the word garden to kind of add a little bit more strength to what I'm sh sharing with you here. The word garden is defined as a protected and enclosed area where seed is planted. Notice. It's a protected and enclosed environment where seed is planted. This is actually a reference also to the good ground mentioned in the parable of the four soils. And if you want to, uh, I, mentioned, I mentioned that video before, but that video is titled The Parable of, of the Seed and the Four Soils. And it's a parable actually concerning hearing the voice of God through meditation or what some people refer to as prayer. Uh, but it's actually a reference to experiencing what the ancients referred to as Father Ground. And Father Ground, again, is the kingdom of God within. And remember, and the reason why I kind of want to bring that up in that parable, because that's very important when it comes to this whole Garden of Eden story. Because in the whole uh, parable story, there were three other grounds. And within those grounds, what we see was the wayside ground, the stony ground, and the ground that contained thorns. Remember what thorns are? All right. Or some form of evil dysfunction. 
So good ground always produces that 160 and 30 fold that we read about, right? And remember what the 30, 60, and 100 fold are. I gave you that formula in prior episodes. It's also found in my books. But 30, the 30 fold is when you're experiencing knowledge from God. In other words, God is speaking to you and you're hearing from Him. When God is explaining that knowledge, that's the 60 fold. Right? And then when God gives you further instructions on how to manifest or how to uh, flesh out or apply that knowledge, understanding to your life, that's wisdom. And that's the hundredfold. So when God is giving you knowledge plus understanding and you do what He's instructing you to do, it'll always equal the wisdom of God. Now, let's go into a little bit in terms of the uh, hearing that these people that we have in this Bible story, Adam and Eve, were hearing according to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And it reads like this, And they heard the voice of the sound of the Lord of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. We know for a fact that God is spirit, right? According to John chapter 4, verse 24. So how exactly could he be walking in the garden? First, it's clear from Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, that God's approach or walk in the garden was described as a sound, notice, or a voice. The verse begins by saying they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. These, this, this, the verse also mentions the presence of God amongst the trees of the garden. What are the trees of the garden anatomically? In other words, within the structure of your brain, they're neurons. Remember, I've been telling you uh, for uh, actually quite a few times that I've been studying neuroscience and the brain, how the brain works and all, and I'm fascinated by it because it solidifies the fact that and this is what God told me, that the original purpose that He created the human mind is to experience His mind within it as a teaching spirit. So here on this slide here, I have a picture of a neuron. Notice what it looks like, a tree. And there's, at the end of all these trees, when you study science about neurology on it, we'll find that, and I don't, I'm not going to try to even pronounce some of the uh, uh, neuroscience terminology, but each branch of your neurons in your, in, in your mind has knowledge of either uh, intellectual knowledge or experiences, and we have good and bad ones. You know, so again, how could God be walking in the trees or the neurons of your mind? Well, He does it through thoughts. That's what the Bible talks about, walk in the Spirit. Let me prove it to you. Have you ever experienced a godly conviction concerning something, some form of activity in your life? This is the Lord walking in your garden. And then you justify its existence. This is you hiding yourself from the presence of the Lord, as Adam and Eve did. So in other words, that's why conviction is powerful. Conviction is very healthy because it reveals the fact that God is trying to communicate something to you. And of course, whenever you experience conviction, remember you've heard me teach on this before, you should always engage with conversation within your mind concerning it so that God can give you the remedy of how to root that temptation or that thing, that addiction, whatever it is, out of your life or whatever it is that's not serving you in order to, for you to become the, 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 the best version of yourself according to His will. So what about this whole thing about they were walking in the uh, experiences in the cool of the day? Once again, definitive root word perspectives reveal some deep truths about these stories. 
But that word cool there is actually defined as ruach, the Hebrew word for what? Remember? Wind, spirit, in other words, God, in other words, how he communicates. So when the Bible says they were, they were experiencing it in the cool of the day, what part of the day that was? Well, when is the coolest part of, uh, of the day? Early morning again, before the sun, or actually at the place where the sun rises. So again, this is, uh, and as I shared before about the cool of the day, early morning prayer or early morning meditation. Remember Jesus, morning by morning, Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 and 5, to go, he would go and do what? to go and hear as they learn. Well, he was experiencing that in the cool, in the ruach of the day, because in the ruach or the morning of the day is when your mind is more primed to be able to experience the wind or the voice or the water or whatever other biblical terminology we have, the presence of the voice of God within our minds through thoughts. And also, it's the best time of the day to teach your mind how to discern the voice of God. And remember, it's the best time of day to prepare your mind for the whole entire day. I've shared with you in prior episodes how me learning to hear the voice of God, just like Jesus experienced it morning by morning, it just changes my mindset for the entire day day. You know, I have more constructive thoughts. I'm open to communication with God. You know, the Bible talks about pray without ceasing. Well, that's the experience. When you train your mind to experience the voice of God, especially at the beginning of your day, pray without ceasing is happening because you're open to communication with God within your mind concerning any and everything of your life. If, once again, if you have trained your mind to discern the voice of God. So, I hope that this episode has been a blessing to you and I hope that it kind of gives you a different perspective concerning the Garden of Eden story. In the next episode, I'm going to be sharing why the three, why three major parts of the anatomy of our brain, again, are likened to Adam, Eve, and the serpent and their connections with the Bible refers to as the spiritual mind, the natural mind, and the carnal mind. And then I'm going to be sharing how you can dress and keep your garden as Adam was instructed to do including the tree of knowledge of good and evil within you. And this, by the way, is found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, in terms of the instruction that, that Adam was given. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a blessing to you. And I'm going to give you a hint. How did the second Adam, Jesus, dress and keep his garden within his mind? And the clue I'm going to give you, and I'm going to be sharing the insights with you in the next episode, the answer is actually found in the parable of the four soils. So I hope again that this uh, episode was a blessing to you, that it gave you a, perhaps a different perspective concerning the Garden of Eden. Um, and you know, like I was telling you before in the very beginning of this episode, learn to study the Bible from a deeper perspective than just reading it. When you read the Bible, all you're doing is getting stories. But when you study the Bible from these definitive root word perspectives and then get yourself acquainted with understanding how to, discuss, how to study the uh, Bible stories from this, their allegorical perspectives, you'll see that the Bible opens up a completely different understanding than what is traditionally conveyed in Christianity. So for those of you 
who have been contacting me and commenting and we've been connecting I really appreciate those comments concerning the videos and the material reading my books keep them coming uh, for those that are interested in my books of course they're, they're still on Amazon of course they're still on my website and again I want to thank you for all the questions and comments and the testimonies and of course for those of you who've been a blessing to me also and financially uh, supporting me I greatly appreciate it uh, and if you haven't done so already let me encourage you to subscribe to either my podcast or my YouTube channel and then to make sure that you hit the notification button so that every time I upload a new episode, you'll get notification as to when that is. So until the next episode, remember that the greatest environment that you'll ever find in this life to learn about God and spirituality is already in present within you. Jesus referred to it as the kingdom of God. And with that kingdom or with that environment within you, in your inward parts of your mind, comes the greatest teacher, and that's just Christ, the Spirit of God, the Father, you know, Jesus, whatever you want to call it, all the same being. And what is that same environment? Well, again, it's the Garden of Eden. Eden is already within you. Paradise is in, there, in you already. And for those of us that, uh, as I do, believe that we're inherently born with this kingdom of God, you already have that. Maybe you haven't been protecting it or dressing it and keeping it, and that's the reason why we're not hearing the voice of God. So make sure that you listen to the next episode, because it's definitely going to be a blessing to you. So until the next one, as always, stay encouraged and always stay blessed.